first thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey, everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. We have a very special episode of Broad Street Hockey for you tonight. We will be talking to the one and only Daniel Carcillo. That's right. Car bomb. So let's get right into the intros and see what happens. Uh, let's lead it off with Carcillo's mustache herself, mm-hmm. the star of tonight's show, Kelly Hinkle. I have one thing to say to you guys. Okay. Buyers. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking before we went on, and I was just like, I, I'm looking forward to things happening because things happening is always good for us. Yeah. And I, like last night's game was so damn boring. I would take anything over that. But ah uh, man, uh, Fletcher doesn't have my trust yet. Something dumb might happen. Uh, buyers. <laughs> Let's throw it over to Fly Purbley's own at Sports Are Bad, Craig Forsythe. Yeah, hey, how you doing? I don't want Anthony Stolarz to be the backup next year. That's no. my thing. Yeah, I'm not. Fa- he had too many injuries. Yeah, That's my I don't. I don't trust that kid at all. Yeah. sorry, buddy. Keep him, but I don't know. Oh, here we go. Right. <laughs> go ahead. I like the redemption. Factor. The redemption story is great. This is what's going to happen. He's like, going to play great. Many... He's going to play great for the rest of the year. He's going to come in, and then in like the second game next year, his knee is going to blow up again. I can just see it happening. Okay, the and then we have whoever the fuck in the AHL. Like he's not going to be worse. I don't. I he's can't not going to be worse again. than Michael Neuvert. He's not going to be worse than Michael Neuvert in terms of injuries. I, in terms of injuries. I, all right. We're gonna get I mean, to the. Well, well, we're gonna get. No, go the, ahead, yell at me. I, I don't. Um, I don't. Save yell. it for later. We can yeah, yell we can at you this, yeah, for the rest of the show. We're gonna get into the goalie situation in just <laughs> yeah, a minute. Yeah, we're all gonna get there. Yeah. Let's get to at Stephalicious D. Steph Driver. Um, I was going to talk about the Flyers and their you can play night, which is Monday against the Canucks. Um, Scott Lawton is the new you can play ambassador. Uh, it was Claude Giroux, and I don't know why. You can play, or else. It pretty much. <laughs> like, you can play, and I'll kill anybody who tells you that you can't. I like uh, that message, actually. I actually I do, too. <laughs> um, I don't know why it's not Claude Giroux again this year, but I kind of like that Scott Lawton is the new you-can-play ambassador. Maybe it's like the helmet. They pass it around. Yeah, they switch it every yeah, year? They, I actually don't know. I don't know either. Maybe maybe it is just like a, other guys wanted to do it, too, or something. I, I kind of like that idea. Yeah. So. Uh, you can play night is Monday against the Canucks and the 
pro- and proceeds are going to the You Can Play Foundation or something, but the, the Phantoms are doing um, a, a You Can Play night or a Hockey is for Everyone night on Friday. Not this Friday, but next Friday. Um, and theirs is actually, their proceeds are actually going to a local LGBT, LGBTQ, I can say letters, I promise, <laughs> um, a, a facility in the Lehigh Valley area. So theirs is, is definitely a lot more local um, and more local people will be benefiting from going to that game. And I will be at both. Bam, this is the big payoff. Mm-hmm. My entire lifetime, the goalie situation in this city has been mishandled so wildly that it's just happening. It's finally true. We not only have our goalie of the future, we have two good goalies. You can't go wrong. This is the competitive advantage, and this is where I want to start uh, because Craig, uh, Craig alluded to it in his little in his intro. I want this goalie tandem to be a thing if for no other reason than They'll have no money tied up at goaltender. Yeah. And I want them to, while I I don't want them to be buyers necessarily at this trade deadline, on July 1st, I very much want to go spend, spend, spend. And if we don't have to go get the next version of Elliot or Neuvert for two and a half or three million or whatever it's going to be just to have a veteran presence with Carter Hart. Now, Carter Hart's the veteran presence. Seriously. Listen to the kid talk. He's the 20-year-old veteran. Yeah. If we can just have that, oh, yeah, we have two cheap goalies and they're going like 55-45 on the splits, whatever it is. That will be uh, that'll just be an advantage for us, and I I just want it. I want it so badly, and I understand the injury concerns. I understand we have no idea if uh, we have no idea if Carter Hart can replicate this in his age twenty one season. We have no idea if Anthony Stolarz can stay healthy and if he's even good enough to be uh, a guy you count on at the NHL level. But I'm seeing some very positive signs, and this is just what I want to go with right now. I just think it's finally it's finally happening. We just finally have goalies. That's all there is to it. I do want to say I like Anthony Stellaris. It's just I don't like his knees. I mean, he, he, yeah. he blew his knee out getting out of the car. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah, but it was the same knee that he had just I know. had surgically reconstructed. But that's like, that's it was, the it problem. Was, yeah, that's but it the was, whole thing. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I get it. I get it. I'm doing the other side where it was already... It was already weak and not quite healed yet. So now it is? This guy always says, hurt players get hurt. I and do, you can't make the club in the tub. Yeah, you can't I, I understand. The I understand these drawbacks, and that's why. Because the go- I, I want to find out. I need the rest of the season. To f- if they bring yeah. back Elliot or Neuverter, and I don't think they're going point, to. They're not I, I'm, I, I'm going to fight somebody. <laughs> yeah, here's the I, thing. I'm like, just going to lay down in front of the Zamboni. Be like, if, just like that's it. Just take me. If Stolarz plays that that well for the rest of the time that he's playing here, like it's going to be hard not to keep him up here. Honestly, for me, it's not even if he plays well. It's if he plays the rest of the season regularly and he doesn't get hurt, yeah. then I, it's actually okay. After. But it would I, be- I think for me, I, th- I've i been talking about getting another stopgap, which would be, I guess, is a problem within itself because Elliot and Neuwirth are both stopgaps and they both suck and get hurt. Yeah. I guess Stolarz would just be skipping that step, but I'm still, I don't know. It would be super, super fun, though, to have like one positionally sound calm goaltender and one big ass floppy guy yeah i love <laughs> fun for who me i like he looked him. good last night he but did. usually he's just he big good. and moves but yeah he, he's also said like he's been working on the positional stuff yeah. because like 
He understands the limitations of being a goalie like that, yeah. especially at that size. Guys that size break down when you're in a crouch all the time. That's what happens. Yeah. And you can't be this that you can't be Dominic Hasek at he six should foot just, seven. He should just play the eighties style, just like stand up. With his <laughs> arms out. This is uh, and Carter Hart. I mean, <laughs> Carter Hart is that's the guy we have. We have all of our eggs in that basket. But the position itself is very much up in the air going into next year because Hart is here and he's under contract and he's the guy and you just got to figure they need someone else to go along with him. But Lyon is also under contract and he has that NHL downside next year, so you have to figure he factors in at, somewhere in the organization and Sam. Sandstrom is under contract and supposed to be coming over. And mm. as we heard from Fletcher, Kirill Ustamenko could very well be coming over to North America as well. What an embarrassment of riches. So there's three right there. You have three to split. And I, this is it. This is this is finally Stoli's opportunity. Win a job. Whether I'm- it's whether it's back up here, whether it's tandem here, whether it's something in the AHL or he's going to just not sign as a restricted free agent, we're going to move on, whatever, get a job elsewhere. This is his opportunity to say, I'm an NHL netminder. I'm ready for four kid goaltenders in the organization. All rookies. Do you think there's any chance he gets moved? I do. Yeah. I think so, too. I do very yeah. much think just there's a chance. Just play him a bunch over the next couple. Yep, yeah. let I him look good and then move him in the offseason. There's a chance anyone. Oh, of, uh, oh deadline? Yeah. Good, yeah. yeah. I Oh, by the deadline. Oh, that, and that's like two weeks, right? Yeah, I mean, that's well, like crazy pants. Yeah, just pump I in just, some games. He'll get like a 9, 30, save percent. I can't imagine a team looking for a goalie who would be like, that's the guy. That's the one. Yeah. I don't know who else is available. Well, I guess Bob. You could get Bob. Yeah, I, maybe. I mean, a- anyone that's played more than 30 NHL games. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one of those. I, but I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does because it's just another guy that we've been looking to find out about for a while now like we've i've been hearing anthony stoley's name for a long time long time it's anthony stoley i yeah. think that's the first time i've heard them <laughs> Tony stoley Tony Stoli from Third Street. Stoltender the goaltender. Yeah. Thank you. And the I, Lars the Golars. Oh, is that yours? Having, yeah, it is mine. Because oh. the idea oh, yeah. having the, the, the idea of having a tandem of a twenty five year old and a twenty year old is just kind of fun. It's but at the, the same time thing. we keep what? hearing we I don't know about fun, but it's wild. We keep it's hearing yeah. how the the age curve is different now. The league is younger and younger. Twenty year olds can come in and be dominant, and you can have Miko ranting in at twenty two, do what he's doing, and all that stuff. Why can't it also apply to goaltenders? Yeah, why can't it? Because they say that it can't is yeah. the only reason. This, well, just, I mean, because science. No, what? It's, science. it's not That's just like argument. it's science. not just like something that people made up. It's that there's there's. People who who get paid a lot of money to analyze these things saying, well, there's a trend here. And the trends change. I think sure. the entire league, the age trends are trending down. Like, guys didn't come in at 18 and 19 and do what guys at that age are doing now. I think it can apply to more, more than just skaters. They are all hockey players, as much as I hate goaltenders. I will admit, I guess, that they're hockey players. Uh, I... <laughs> Uh, I just think there's something to it. If Connor McDavid can step on the ice at 18 and be the best player in hockey, a 25 and a 20 year old goalie tandem could work. I don't think it's the craziest notion in the world that it just won't work out again, of hand because there's no veteran. Again, I, I, I'm not questioning the tandem because of that. Oh yeah, no. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I see what you're saying and I understand. I acknowledge it. Yeah. your point of view. If it was anybody that. else with uh, minus the Lars injury history, I'd be about it. Your point of like view, like Alex Lyon. Well, I think no. he's. I, I'm Alex not. A, I'm I not, I'm not sold on mine. Yeah, 
And if also, Ryan was I, playing I like Stolarz is now, then yes. Or, you know, he had a run of play like Stolarz is having right I now. I think Alex Lyon can be Neil Little for this organization for the next yeah, 10 years. Just, you know what? Good. You're the starter, and yeah. we bring in kids to back you up. Like, Neil Little was the starter when Brian Boucher mm-hmm. was in the AHL, and then Brian Boucher made it to the NHL, and Neil Little still there. And he was That's, always there to plug in if they yeah. needed him. If yeah. you need a guy, if you need an emergency guy, you know mm-hmm. he owns the pads, you have his cell number, he can be here. <laughs> he <owns the> pads. <laughs> but I just don't I see like Alex I, just, I like him, too. I just don't see him factoring into the NHL. Yeah, I don't think Chaz right. likes him. No, I, I think, think he was so Hextall's either. guy. I don't it think Chad really, likes him. We've yeah. talked about that with, with Charlie a lot mm-hmm. in that it seems like Stoley was kind of just on the outs in terms of his position in this organization in the previous regime. And Alex Lyon, we've talked about the contract they gave him and how it was kind of just assumed he'd be in the NHL next season based on the contract they gave him. And now suddenly, here we are, Stolarz getting the shot. Lyon, I'm talking about being Neil Little, and that is not what we were saying you know, a few months ago. No, it was pretty much understood that he was going to be the backup next year because of that contract situation. I just can't believe that the Flyers have a goalie. Full <laughs> stop. <laughs> okay. All right. But also that the Flyers have a goalie that like you can consistently rely on to steal you games. Like, so far. Like, yes, let's all knock on wood. Every single one of you. I want to see it. I want to see it. I don't one, two, it. neither one of you idiots. Go outside all right, and so turn around. One, all right. <laughs> turn around three um, times and spit. So. Like, thank you. Thank you. We did it. All right. Um, Like, has consistently... You just slipped sorry. right into the God, microphone. I'm a Got it right in there. Jesus Christ. All right. Um, this is why we get called unprofessional. No, that's just me. That's just me. I don't even remember what I'm saying. Carter Hart, fucking awesome. Goalies, yeah. You're talking about goalies. Uh, what about Santrum, though? Is Sandstrom definitely coming over? Oh, yeah. It seemed like that was the plan. They signed him to that ELC last year. Hextall did. Yeah, and it was that first year of, all right, it's Flyers or it's NHL or it's back to Sweden, and then we'll see. But Fletcher just kind of did say we expect Sandstrom to come over. Oh, he did? Okay. So, And then that's when he also came came up with the Ustamenko coming over thing as well, yeah. and that was kind of a surprise. You can stick one of these guys in the ECHL, too. I mean, it's that's not the true. world. All right, guys, that's it for our goalie talk right now. We're going to take a quick break, and on the other side, we're going to talk to Daniel Carcillo. All right, now we are on the line. We have Daniel Carcillo joining us. How are you, Mr. Carcillo? Good, guys. How are you? Great. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. So, Daniel, we are going to have uh, Kelly ask you some questions. It's uh, Bell Let's Talk Day today, and we thought it was the perfect opportunity to have you on. So I'm going to throw it over to Kelly, and uh, let's just have a good conversation here. All right, so before we get to the important stuff, um, this whole interview with you came about because we were kind of doing some reminiscing about the 2010 Cup run on Twitter. And I just wanted to know what your favorite moment from your time as a Flyer was. Um, good question. I think um, I came over from Arizona and I was just excited to be playing in a market that was um, where fans were so passionate and uh, had such a history behind the organization. And I made a, a lot of really good friends who I still have to this day, from Giroux to um, Hartnell to Asham to Riley Cote, Jeff Carter, Mike Richards, um, Timo Timonen. And uh, so I think the connections that I made on that team and while, my, while I spent my time there were, were really special. And um, I would have to say it was the guys. And, uh, and that 2010 run was, uh, was something else for sure. 
Yeah, we were talking about it a lot today. It's it's literally the most fun we've had as a Flyers fan. All of us, I think. It was insanely fun. Yeah, it was great. I mean, even during the season, like looking up in the 300 levels and seeing a fight every time in the stands. <laughs> um, you know, there was, I remember my brothers when we played – when we played the Penguins, uh, my brothers came down, <clears throat> and um, um, I don't think it was – it wasn't the 2010 run, but they were in – they were all tailgating. Everybody was tailgating, right? It was really nice weather, and that was something new that my brothers had never seen. And there was a guy in a Phillies jersey and a guy in a Penguins jersey walking together, and I guess somebody just went up to the guy in the Penguins jersey and just punched him right in the face. Oh, boy. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> that's that's yeah, My brothers were like, oh, what? What the heck did we get into? And, uh, yeah, it was, um, I mean, like the city was just super passionate and the fans were, were super passionate and, uh, I enjoyed my time there. So I'm glad you actually brought up Riley Cote because we talked to him a couple of years ago about what it was like to be a fighter in the NHL. And we were kind of talking before the show and we were wondering, because obviously guys like you and Riley Cote, at some point in your hockey careers early on, you you guys are elite hockey players. Like you wouldn't have gotten to where you were without being exceptionally good at the game. And we were wondering at what point does the fighting take over? Like, is it a coach or something that forces you into that role or is it just kind of a natural progression or how does that happen? Uh, for me, I was in Wilkes-Barre and it was just the way I played the game. I played the game hard and I was, I hit a lot. And, um, so I remember my first game, um, Elaine Nazardine was our captain. Dennis Bonner was on our team. We had a really tough team in Wilkes-Barre and, um, I played the first game and I knocked out, uh, Kevin Colley. And I went back to the bench and everyone was kind of looking at me like, what the heck is that? Because <laughs> like you said, I was a, in junior, I was a 30 goal scorer every year. And I fought maybe four times in, in three years in the OHL. And I saw it as something that I had to do to be honorable with mm. the way that I played the game. And then I ended up being really good at it. And it was something that I continued to do because, um, whenever I saw injustice or whenever I saw guys getting taken advantage of, um, I thought that that was something that I could put on my resume. I could skate, I could shoot, I could score, I could hit, and I'll stick up for my teammates. And so I just wanted to do everything in my power to get into the NHL. And that was something that, um, that I did and, and put on my resume. And then you end up, you know, um, kind of getting pigeonholed into that role once, once you're good at it. Right. And so, um, that's just, uh, I guess, it goes with the territory. So today, as we mentioned, is Bell Let's Talk Day. And today you released a couple of videos on your YouTube channel, um, which everyone should go check out. They're quite powerful. Um, and they are essentially your personal testimonials about having some traumatic brain injury, CTE, um, what it's like to live with that, how you get through it. And one of the things that I found really remarkable about the videos and about you in general is that you seem to be so at ease talking about these things. And a lot of people find it very difficult to talk about mental health issues. How did you get to this place where it was so easy for you to share your story? Um, it's been a nine year journey. Um, from 19 to 25, I wasn't the greatest person. I was pretty selfish and just wanted to make a name for myself and, um, in the, in the league. And, um, I think he lived, I lived a hard life. Um, you know, on and off the ice and, and it caught up to me at 25 and I, I had a decision to make uh, after Philly didn't qualify me and I got signed for basically half of what I was worth the year before and it was a big wake-up call and um, I ended up uh, 
going to rehab and when I was 25 to get off of opiates. And uh, I just learned a lot about myself there. Um, I learned a lot about spirituality and I learned a lot about um, how my actions uh, affect other people. And uh, it actually changed the way that I played the game. And But it made me a better teammate. And I always say this, and when you live the right way, your luck is a sure thing. And my last five years in the league, I went to the Stanley Cup Finals four times with three different teams and I won twice and I lost twice. And I don't think that happens to somebody if you're a bad teammate or if you're, if you're not living the right way, you know, um, because that is lucky. Some guys don't even get to the playoffs. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, Daniel, I just wanted to know, you talked about how, uh, I remember a quote when you first got acquired by the flyers and you talked about in your rookie year, you were kind of reckless and just trying to make a name for yourself. And you just kind of spoke to that. How do you think uh, you evolved as a player, uh, in your time, you know, you said at 25 and then going forward, how do you think you changed your game? Um, I don't think it was so much changing my game rather than how I interacted with my teammates and, and um, how I was conscious about my actions off the ice um, and in the dressing room. And, um, you know, it was less more about myself than it was about the greater good of the team. And um, so, you know, you, you live and you learn, like I've made a lot of mistakes and I own up to them, you know, and I've, um, but one thing I don't regret is, is the way I played the game. And, um, you know, they, the NHL created a role for us and it was a job and it's very much a job and um, you know, it's a livelihood and, and eventually, you know, that job catches up to you and it caught up to me at 30 and I had to retire because of post-concussive syndrome. And my last game in the NHL was actually um, against the Philadelphia Flyers in Philly and Bellamar caught me with a right. And that was my seventh diagnosed concussion. And, the, the symptoms are just brutal. And uh, it was not too long after Steve Mondor had passed away and we were really close. And um, I was just spiritually, mentally, and physically done, you know, um, done with the game. And, and uh, I had my son was born in, in November and we were lucky enough to end up winning. I, I ended up winning my second Stanley Cup with the Hawks that year, but I thought it was, that was it. You know, that was, it was time to walk away. I never, I always wanted to be a father and I had my son and I didn't want to be an absent father and you're on the road a lot. And so there are a lot of factors pointing towards, you know, moving on and um, there's nothing wrong with moving on at a, at a young age to start your second life because uh, athletes die two deaths. And Derek Armstrong said it best when he said that, you know, we really do. We die two deaths. We die when a piece of us dies when we leave the game and then, you know, we die when we die, you know, so. I like how you put it. Just uh, making. Sh- I think it's important people know that it, you. Re- it really is a job, and the physical toll it takes on you. Obviously, you know, getting punched in the face, getting checked into the boards while it's happening probably isn't the greatest feeling in the world. But we spoke to Riley Cote a little while back, as Kelly mentioned, and he talked to us about preparing mentally uh, for games, like when he'd go in and know oh, 48 hours ahead of time, I'm going to be fighting George Larocque tomorrow, and just how that kind of anxiety would wear on him like can you talk about the toll that that kind of thing takes on you where you know you have to go do that job maybe uh you had over 100 fights in your career uh between regular season preseason and all that but uh just what kind of toll does that take on you not so much the physical but also yeah I got to do what I got to do tomorrow yeah I mean you have to be a mental assassin you know you have to you have to be physically mentally sound 
to be able to make a team, right? And it is a team sport once you're on the ice, but if you're not prepared, you're not making that team and you don't have the chance to compete. Um, you know, a lot of times later on in my career, I wasn't playing in those games. And um, so you have to bring a different element to it. You have to be a good team guy. And I love making playlists and connecting with guys. And um, But the role itself was, was difficult some nights. For example, I couldn't sleep that day um, before my last game. You know, I was journaling a lot about Steve and crying in my room and um, because I didn't, I really didn't want to play. You know, I was done when Steve died. After Steve died, I, I was just so done. And um, I was really out of shape. Um, and they decided to put me in because we already had a playoff spot clinched. And it was Philly, and there were a lot of guys there, right, that needed to be kind of protected against that team. And I think you guys were out of it that year. And um, so they decided to put me in. But I just remember – you know, sweating and, and just uh, playing in that first period. And I was out of shape. I had no reason to be playing in that game. And for some reason, I played really well. And the puck was following me around. And I honestly felt Steve next to me uh, during that first period. And I remember going into the room and just breaking down and crying during the first intermission and walking into the massage room. And Johnny Taves came in and said, what's up? And I just, you know, I just, I just felt Steve with me. And it was a lot. It was really heavy. And then... um it was really emotional. And to be honest, you know, there was no reason for me to fight Delamar, but um, you want to change your state of mind. And, and to be honest, I was in a lot of pain and I wanted to feel something different, even though it was, it was emotional pain. I wanted to feel that physical pain and um, um, yeah, you know, and, and that fight happened. And then I was, I was in the room and, you know, again, emotionally breaking down crying and um and then the symptoms after that seventh diagnosed concussion were just brutal and um couldn't look at my phone and had to spend about three weeks at home uh, until the symptoms somewhat subsided and um while you're in the game it's it's weird you know when you're playing when you're stimulated guys right now they feel healthy you know and I went to a clinic in 2013 and Steve Monitor, you know, begged me to go during the lockout. I'm like, why? I, I'm not feeling any symptoms. Um, and I ended up getting treatment this past um, April back in 2018 again. And they, they didn't tell me then, but they told me when I went back to the clinic that I was their worst TBI case they'd ever seen. And they didn't want to scare me or anything, but that's, that's scary, you know, and that's why I do what I do now. And I advocate for proper understanding, diagnosis and care because these guys really truly do not understand the risks that they're under. And once you finish playing the game and you get into the real world, because I'm in the real world right now, I don't walk out my door. I'm standing in a parking lot. There's not 21,000 people cheering on, you know, cheering for me right now doing this <laughs> interview. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just, um, you have to repurpose your life and do some self-discovery work. And number one is, you know, get sober to assess the state of your brain and then move into treatment and, um, you know, that's, that's what I did for my family, you know, get as healthy as I can for my family. Dan, this is Steph. I had a stroke in April, so not a traumatic brain injury, but a brain injury nonetheless. So, you know, mm -hmm. I, I know what it's like to mm -hmm. know the words that you're trying to say and not have them come out of your mouth. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, knowing that you remember things, but you can't quite figure out what it is. Um, how do you personally, how do you get through the bad days? Um, 
I mean, like today, today's a heavy day, right? You're talking, you're looking, um, you know, Twitter's, Twitter's a, a war zone. Yeah, it's <laughs> right. A lot of people don't understand what, what I'm doing and they think I'm trying to save hockey and I'm not at all. Right. And, um, I have a five-year plan in place. And the first part of the plan is to go through the platform of the NHL the way they used me. I'm going to use them to get my narrative to the veteran community, police officers, firefighters, first responders, uh, women of domestic violence, child abuse, um, people that don't understand what is going on to either themselves or their family members so that maybe a parent can recognize the signs and symptoms in their son or daughter and, and help get them into treatment or remove them from sport. You know, what a lot of people don't know is that there's 40 doctors in the world right now that make the consensus statements for our kids return to play protocol. 16 of those doctors are employed by the NFL. Eight of those doctors are employed by the NHL and six of them are employed by rugby. Wow. You have three of the major collision sports. Uh, 30 out of the 40 doctors are the ones going around playing off each other, making consensus statements for our kids. And eight of those doctors are in the league of denial. The last league that has yet to admit um, that repetitive head trauma is linked to CTE. And that's really scary, you know, and that's why I do what I do. Like that's the ultimate goal, right? Is to, is to educate parents and kids in the risks of playing sport. It's not about not playing sports. Just understand the risks that you're under. And if you want to sign on the dotted line, then you can monetize that if, if that's what you want to do. And, um, but then take it a step further. This type of treatment can help optimize athletes, right? And it can make them less susceptible to injury. And so it works on a lot of different levels. Um, number one, for the, for the human being, that's the most important. He doesn't play the game susceptible to more head trauma and then leave the game with a chemical imbalance dealing with mental health complications that he's never been predisposed to. Number two, the fancy and optimized athlete. And then number three, there's less man games lost for the owners and GMs. So right now it's litigation. So it's a lot of lawyer talk and the league will not admit it right until they will not make serious changes. Right. Um, I know about the video that they make now, like with, I think it started in 2016. I retired in 15. There was not one word about early onset dementia or Alzheimer's or anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, none of that. Um, so they make a pretty fluffy video now, which is, which is okay. Um, but still, they're not getting the proper understanding. Uh, guys, and I truly believe, and I know because guys tell me, right? Um, and I've gotten probably 30 to 40 plus guys into treatment under the table and um, that are still playing in the league. Wow. And, um, you know, number one, you don't know that three or more traumatic brain injuries, you're more, you're 80% susceptible to early onset dementia, Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease, you know, and um, these things are scary, right? So like what I plan on doing and what I've already done is uh, the next videos that are coming out on the YouTube channel through Chapter 5 Foundation are, are going to be about uh, concussion prevention. And the next one is going to be about um, an acupuncturist in Beverly Hills who does amazing work uh, with brain injuries. And, um, and then the one after that is going to be of the University of Cincinnati who's actually practicing athlete medicine and not sports medicine. Um, they're not putting the sport before the athlete. Uh, they've cut their concussion rate by 80% in the NCAA football league. And it's not one or two years. It's been over eight years now since 2010. So if the league wants to actually take action, if I can find these people, I'm sure they know that they exist. And, um, you know, I just did a forward for brain damage. And when people see the timeline of when CTE was actually found, which was in the 1900s, 
and then they see that the research has been suppressed from 1989 to 2003 when the NFL was at its height because they have a lot of money and they can do that sort of thing. I think it's going to open up a lot of eyes, you know, and uh, I'm working behind the scenes now with a, a PhD and a couple doctors and we're going to make our own consensus statements. We're going to make our own patient bill of rights and we're going to put that out in 2020 when these 40 doctors announce theirs again. And then you can take a, you can decide which ones you want to follow. And that's why I stay independent of everybody. And I'm just a guy on social media um, trying to educate and trying to get as many people as I can healthy and into treatment. So I'm glad you mentioned your Chapter 5 Foundation, um, which you and your wife and Ben Eager, I think, started. Um, And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people see you being very vocal about these issues with traumatic brain injury, but I'm not sure a lot of people know that you're also working to help your fellow athletes transition from life as a professional athlete Mm -hmm. to what can only be called regular life, I guess. Um, Why do you (laughs) think that transition is so difficult to make? Um, Because, like I said before, we don't live in the real world. Uh, Nobody's making you an omelet. There's no omelet station when I get up um, (laughs) and go to the rink. Uh, Nobody's making my schedule. Nobody's telling me my day's off the first, you know, part of the year over 182 days. Um, I don't get paid bi-weekly over 182 days um, when I do a job. Um, You know, there's, there's different rules, right? And that's why I think hockey players, identify with musicians, identify with veterans, identify with police officers, firefighters, first responders, all of these people do jobs that aren't the real world, right? And so when we get out of those jobs, it becomes very hard to assimilate back into, into real life. Um, and so what I'm trying to do is just get all of those people together because you can immediately feel comfortable around those types of people, right? When you get into a group setting or, or talk about mental health issues, it's hard to talk about that with somebody who does a nine to five, who really doesn't, doesn't get it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, I also say this, like tr- transition is a human issue, right? And it's, it's scary. I mean, just like, for example, if you go up to a doctor and you say, Hey, tomorrow you're going to have to retire and figure out what to do with your life. And they're probably going to struggle, yeah. you know? And, um, I think family members need this information and, and wives and, and brothers, sisters, mothers, dads, um, so that they can understand that, hey, you know, there might be a period of depression. There might be a period of, of anxiousness, of anxiety. And, and you know, you just take it slow and um, and then do some self-discovery work. But number one is is treatment, right? Figure out if you're hurt. If you're not, great. If uh, Then we could do the self-discovery and repurpose your life. But if you are hurt, the answer isn't a job because you're going to lose that job anyway. Your health is paramount or else everything else falls apart. So that's just kind of what I what I do with chapter five and there's a lot of big stressors for guys after they're done with the game or the game's done with them. And I just help them through that in an informal process and just educate them about the NHLPA insurance and um, what they need to say to be able to get covered and to make sure that they don't get every single claim denied because of a pre-existing condition. And um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's my mission. So given everything that you know now, if you could go back and do it all over again, would you? I I get that question a lot and I don't answer it. Okay. I, mean, I don't live in what ifs. Yeah, that's um, fair. You know, I'm I'm standing here right now and, um, you know, I, I think what I'm doing, I, I really enjoy it. You know, I really do. I think this is my life's purpose. I mean, my grandmother passed of, uh, with Alzheimer's. Um, her two sisters and brother both passed, so it runs in my family and uh, neurological 
degenerative disease runs in my family and whether I have it or not, I talk about CTE. I only use that word because it's, it's popular in the media. Uh, what I have are brain injury symptoms. I have brain damage and I have brain injury symptoms. It's way too early to talk about if I'm going to get CTE or not. So I move forward with proper care and, and, um, highlighting those treatments that have worked for me and highlighting numerous treatments, you know, cranial sacral, reflexology, massage, chiropractic, acupuncture, uh, functional neurology. Um, you know, there's tons of stuff that, uh, that can work because it's not a one and done type of thing, right? Sometimes functional neurology doesn't work and sometimes reflexology, people don't like it and they, don't, they can't get down with the cranial sacral and the spiritual side of it. So um, just highlighting as many treatments as I can um, and, and highlighting testimonials so that we can continue to provide hope because suicide is a means to an end when someone doesn't have any more hope. So that's what I'm trying to, um, trying to highlight is just hope. Uh, Dan, we talk a lot about the tough guy and warrior cultures uh, prevalent in hockey culture, uh, but I think we kind of brush aside the chemical dependencies that can contribute and fuel, fuel these mentalities. You talked about getting treatment at 25. I think a lot has been uh, has come up in the news lately. Clinton Portis back in the news talking about drinking before games in the NFL. We have all heard about Josh Gordon. Uh, Austin Watson's back in the news. How prevalent really is it? Uh, like the uh, recreational drug abuse, alcohol abuse in NHL locker rooms? Is it a much bigger deal than we think? Is it just a few cases that get blown up? Like, what would you say it's like? I'm not asking you to name names, but the culture that is surrounding that hockey culture. Um, I think it's changed recently, right? Like um, with the whole opioid epidemic, like doctors aren't walking up and down aisles anymore being able to give us four Ambien to get to bed. Uh, but that was definitely the case in my career. You're overprescribed, you're undereducated. Um, and, uh, and it's a problem for a lot of guys. I mean, synthetic heroin, that's what opiates are. It's synthetic heroin made by a doctor in a lab. And it makes addicts out of mothers, firefighters, police officers, athletes. Um, there's a lot of anxiety that goes with playing professional sports for some guys. It's, um, they can operate, but they need a little help to operate. Uh, during my career, there was a lot. There was a lot of substance abuse. And substance abuse is a direct symptom of repetitive head trauma. You don't understand what's going on. You're not predisposed to these mental health complications. And what do you do? You look for something to numb it out. Um, so, you know, I can't speak to what it is like now. Um, but, uh, I mean, <laughs> being an athlete or a musician doesn't really lend itself to being a healthy um, <laughs> a healthy drinker, you know, like you're out of the rink at 12 and then you get to the bar and you got two hours, you know, like, what do you do? Well, you're a binge drinker now. Uh, but when you get out of retirement, um, or when you get out of the game, uh, having a beer at lunch, isn't, isn't that normal anymore, but it was pretty normal after practice, right? Guys go have a beer, sushi, whatever, a couple more, um, after games, most definitely. How do you get down from being so jacked up and all the Sudafed and all the stuff that's in you? Um, you know, like we'd like to believe that guys can go home and put their hands on their knees and meditate, but that's just not the case. Well, Dan, I really appreciate you answering our questions. You've been super forthright, really open, and I think that's part of why people respond so well to you. Um, if our listeners wanted to get involved in the causes that you are trying to promote or if they can go someplace to find some more resources, where would you suggest that they look? 
Um, the Carrick Institute um, website, Chapter 5's website, uh, my YouTube channel that I just started, um, CarBombBoom13 on Twitter, and I'm Daniel Carcillo13 on Instagram. And um, if you want more information, just you can follow all of those things and tap into those resources. And um, yeah, I mean, I need to be forthright. I don't harbor guilt very well. And so uh, I speak very, very honestly about this stuff. And I think that's the way that you connect to human beings that don't know you. You just speak honestly and vulnerably. Yeah, you're doing super important work. And I think it's really admirable that you've decided to take your fame and your career and turn it into something good. So thank you very much for that. And thank you very much for joining us tonight. Of course. Thanks, guys. Thanks Have a, a good lot, night. Dan. All right, guys. Uh, that was the Daniel Carcillo interview. I think that was it. that was a lot. There's some heavy stuff in there. Uh, but I mean, it's we're talking he's about, incredible. He really he is. is. We're talking about traumatic brain injuries. It's not going to be uh, all that light. But I think it is important because this is this is the reality of the game. And as someone like uh, you know, I say all the time, my favorite hockey player ever is Frank Bialowis. The violence is what got me into the game. I think it's. I think it's important to know the toll it's taking. And when yeah. Daniel says, remember, we're humans. Oh, yeah, that's right. That happened but, when we talked to Cote with me, man. It's like so hard because that is I've always liked these guys. Dan yeah. Carcillo was one of my favorite flyers ever. I have a Fra- Francis Lassard Phantoms jersey. I love Frank Bailos. <laughs> and it's like you you love what they're doing, but then you hear them talk about the effects and you just feel like a shitty human being for rooting for this kind of stuff. And, and it's. It's very hard. We just saw it last night uh, with the Boston Bruins. Trent Frederick uh, debuts and gets in his in a fight, and it's everyone everyone celebrating. As Sports Illustrated, like "Welcome to the show, kid," and all that. I mean, it's, see, on, it's on the SB Nation NHL homepage. His parents high five. Well, attempt to high five. Like, <laughs> like his parents are celebrating, like he scored a goal. It is part of hockey, but you have to also like, oh yeah, getting punched in the face is real bad, and it's bare knuckle brawling. Like, yeah, it's. <laughs> but yeah. we're gonna move on now because uh, we. Do have the rest of the uh, hockey team, the Flyers, to talk about? We before the interview, we're talking about the goaltending situation. Um, we're talking about Felix Sandstrom, how he's going to come over. Ustamenko might be coming over, and all that. But I just want to get to now five straight wins, six out of the last seven. They they've earned These W's. Guys. This is I've 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 said fun straighting. That's what this team is. Because the winning is fun, and it's fun because it's led by we're seeing Oscar Lindblom step up, we're seeing Ivan Provorov step up, of course Carter Hart, uh, Tony Stoli, all these uh, <laughs> Tony Stoli from Third Street. Uh, do, do you want Tony me to Stoli from Edison, New Jersey? He I like that his name Edison, just keeps getting shorter. You brought this up last week. Steve would have been on board with it. <laughs> It'd yeah. be like Tone Stoll <laughs> later on Tone in the show. Stoll, yeah. uh, but how just how are we feeling about this goddamn godforsaken son of a bitch team? God, uh, exactly like that, really. <laughs> I still think it's the same team. I said that. I mean, yeah. it is. It's the these same team, except the guys. goalies are actually doing they, something. They, now. Yeah. and they came out of nowhere. Over some of these games, over some of these games, they have actually played really well. And then have they though? In some of them. In others, it's like last the Jets, night. The Jets was good. Yeah. yeah. The uh, other games were not. Uh, but then in last night, it's like you got outshot 38-19. I don't even think it was that close. And, that great. and you shut them out one nothing. It's your first regulation 1-0 shutout win since 2015. That's a long time. When you when I saw that on your Twitter, I was like, uh, what? Yeah, I looked all that <laughs> stuff up and I put it in my like post-game article because I was so bored during the game. I had nothing to say. It was like, Limblom scored and Gord Miller said the Rangers scored. Um, Stoli scored. <laughs> he did. <laughs> 
Stoli, Stoli stood on his head, and that's all that happened. Yeah. I was straight up rooting for it to be one nothing, just so I because I looked all that stuff up, and I didn't want it to go to waste. <laughs> well, I'm glad. But I really... The Flyers did it just for you. Stolarz had a chance <laughs> to score a goal. He, he, had, he did. He should have shot the, that puck. He had yeah. the puck on his stick with time and space, and I was like, come on, man. Because he scored in the AHL, didn't he? Did he? Uh, I, don't I don't remember. No, I, I could have sworn he did. You, I'll look that up. You keep but, talking. Okay, but how just like, what, like what, rest of the season, what do you want to see happen? God, it's, oh, God. Because we it's were so, so hard. We were so committed to losing. I was, I was in on the tank. Ago. I mean, I'm. I mean, I'm still there. I, I want them to look good, but still lose. The thing like, is, I like, want Stars to play like he did last night, except give up two goals. And that's, and yeah. yeah, he stops 36 to 38, and they yeah, lose two fine. to one. I, I guess that's good. the thing. Like realistically, <laughs> we can get super pumped, and we can do the whole. Oh, they're only ten points out. We can like, <laughs> I don't do that. Find oh, this dance, it's, it's but it's nothing. like. They're really not going to do anything. No, it's not about wins and losses, but those are the results of things that I really want to see happen. Fun losers. If Ivan Provorov (laughs) looks like a number one defenseman and Nolan Patrick looks like he's not nothing and Oscar Lindblom looks like, oh, maybe he is a top six forward and we get all these things that we weren't getting and the result of that is winning, it's frustrating because, like, God damn it, where was this in October? Right. But... We're getting things we need to see moving forward. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, it's frustrating because I really want Jack Hughes or Capo Caco. Yes. But uh, Hell yeah. maybe we don't need them. If these guys are good, we can go out and buy some free agents and make some adjustments and be a good team like we thought because we have a good goalie now. So well, here's the thing. You don't ever not need a great player. You don't ever not need one. I want it. I'm just – it's so – now it looks like they're going to do the thing that we said – how just last week or two weeks ago I said what's worst case scenario they win eight in a row and do this stupid ass shit where they're <laughs> drafting thirteenth but of in Flyers fashion here we are so I guess I just have to accept it if it's gonna make me mad I I don't want to make myself mad that uh, it, it I, I, that's where I am is I'm gonna be mad about this so I have to ignore it and just say okay it's good that Carter Hart and Stolars are good. <sighs> I know. I want a top two pick. It's frustrating, hence funstrating. The thing so is, funstrating. I, I, all I can think of when you say and and write the word funstrating is <laughs> menstruating. I know. There That's it is. It. I've got that comment a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we all just need to be adults and ignore it. There you I go. mean, adults menstruate, so... I'm just saying we can just not <sighs> think just about anything. Just be and use the word funstrating. Yeah. That's all you have to do. So, yeah. I mean, you do, m- make, <laughs> you do make a point. So let's say that Phil Myers comes up, right? And let's say that Provorov comes back and ghosts come back. Like, that is kind of, like, good because that's the team that we want this team to be. And maybe they'll carry that through the long, dark summer into Again, next season. That is fine. But these last couple, like last night, who really stood up besides Stallone? Well, yeah, nobody. Oh, no. Limblom, it was a terrible game. Yeah. yeah Limblom scored and almost killed Shattenkirk. But besides that, I don't I that don't have fun. notes on anybody else. Yeah. I know. Last no, Perovaroff didn't have his usual gaffe that he's had every game this year. And so Perovaroff looked all right. He's just looked with the puck on his stick like a totally different guy the last two games. Yeah. 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 He doesn't. And that's just, it's little things, but... It, you, it, oh, they didn't. He didn't have that gaff. Well, that gaff, one or two crazy things. That's how you lose. Yeah. And so if he cuts those things out, and the goalie yeah. plays like, there's uh, no last night overall. That, I hit the table. That's what that bad. <laughs> Thank you. Last night the team was not good, but you get the goalie stealing it. And yeah. how often do we say, oh, ran into a hot goalie, nothing you can do? It was actually us this time. 
It was us getting that from the backup. A, a, a backup goalie recorded a shutout in a game the Flyers played, and it wasn't against them. Yeah, right? It was That's for different. them. What if they're using all this uh, energy now this season and then next season to just get back to the old Flyers goal? I'm, hey, I'm, Craig, worried, you shut I'm worried about next year. That's what I'm worried about with the goal. Well, no, I've decided that we're going to spend the whole summer since they listen to the show. We're going to spend the whole summer reminding them that they can also win games in October. I want to know. Like, please. For they my don't birthday. have to wait. <laughs> Part of this is just we're getting good goaltending. And like we always said, even when things were at their darkest, yeah, when they get some saves, they tend to win. Yeah. But we're seeing other guys step up, and I've named them, who weren't contributing in October, November, December. What, um, yeah, you know, you know those, the season. Those, those months of the year. <laughs> um, <laughs> How much do you say, okay, they're just getting goaltending, so they're winning, and a couple of guys are finally getting it together? And how much of it to you is, oh, yeah, pressure's off because they threw away the first half, so of course they're playing now? Because there's some of that to me. There's a little bit of bitterness to me. Well, also, I kind of think that, like, I when you're know. 15 points out, great. Oscar Lindblom is on is, is playing well again after well, being invisible. Cool. Also, I feel like, you know, there was a lot of shit going on before, and they cleared all of it out, and maybe they should have done that. that sooner. They are allowed to eat yeah, pizza now. They, they got have, their greasy foods. Yeah, they got greasy foods. Their kids are in the gone. locker room. They can play music Everybody's, now. like, yeah. farting freely. Like, yeah. there's everything's cool. <laughs> and so now they're having fun again. And, and perhaps if they had decided to make... We are not holding sure. in farts anymore. <laughs> I can see Dave Haxtell staring down dudes for farting. I really can. <laughs> just no words. That's just what it stare, looked yeah. like each time the Flyers got scored on. Yeah, he's just walking off in the distance. He's working at the end of the bench. He's like, fucking very much like again. smell <laughs> the fart face. Um, is that why? Is that why players got scratched? Like have, you farted. Shane We serial farter. We disconnect me. I regret. <laughs> now that we're talking about Shane Gostas, <laughs> listen. We we needed we needed some lightness. We that's had true. some heavy no, brain no, stuff. We, we, now we're talking about farts. Yeah. Welcome back to Broad Street Hockey Radio, <laughs> the professional the professional podcast. Uh, Shane Gostas, Bear fam. What, how we come back from from a week off and he's hurt. The poops. Well, he like skated. How in, bad were he the skated poops? in warmups and then was hurt. He shit out his intestines. Like, what? What happened there? No, he was he was out for warmups. Like he yeah. was out, and so then something, something something happened, and he kind of hunched over, and then that was it. Because we're getting to the point of the season where guys who disappear in warmups uh, tend to end yeah. up on other teams. There was a little That's bit of I'm a freak out. Yeah, and there was it was a false alarm as far as we know, but. And now he, he he misses the next game. He's supposed to be back uh, for Saturday or perhaps Thursday. I he don't might know. play playing. He tomorrow. might play Thursday. It seems like it's definite for Saturday. Yeah. But uh, it, when I look at Ivan Provorov, gets a week off and then suddenly looks like the guy who we thought he was supposed to be. Shane Gossesbear now getting some time. Is their bad season just? Hey man, they're getting through shit. And if that's the case, why don't we just give these guys off for a week in November? Yes, yeah, why do we let move it get the to, bye week? Why do we let it get to the point that the number one, like a top ten D pair last year, like a legitimate star defensive pair, is awful for the first half of the season, and then they get some time off, and at least Provorov comes back and goes, "Oh yeah, I'm good." Like maybe yeah. we need like this warrior hockey mentality that we got into with Carcillo, maybe yeah, a little drawback. I'm not saying hockey players got to miss time every time they get a bruise, but if you can just take a week off in October or November and be good for the rest of the season. We should do that. 
You mean last year with Wayne Simmons? Yeah. Like maybe don't play with yeah, the, don't this do dude that. with a separated pelvis yeah, like, for your yeah. entire fucking season. Wayne Simmons clearly struggling last year, and it's like get a week. Go just go away. Go lay down for a week. <laughs> just, just don't get one move. of those hyperbaric chambers and like <laughs> chill. <laughs> I, I just I don't understand that. And maybe Ghost will come back on Thursday or Saturday and look great, and we'll go. Well, what the fuck, man? But yeah. how is this getting to this point, and what do you think is up with Ghost? I think he's fine. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. Worried. I mean, the whole team sucks. I know, but I just, mm. the whole team sucks, but Drew gets his numbers. Yeah. Victoria gets his numbers. I expect the good guys to do well, their thing. Let's look at defense. Let's look at the defense. Provorov shitting the bed. Sanheim, good. Actually, Everyone else, like, Gudis is fine. Gudis is Gudis. Everyone is what else, I think he is. bad, bad, yeah. bad. But that's uh, they're also Christian Foley. To me, this team's problem was king of hits. To me, this team's problem was the depth. The top guys do their thing, and then they lose every game three to two, and that's just the way it is, or worse because the goalie's terrible. But when all of a sudden the guys we're counting on do nothing, that's what. What is it? What is the problem? But now here we are, and they're good again. Yeah, I don't know. Ghost still hasn't come out of the funk. No. He's one that yeah. we need I mean, to I don't see think emerge. I don't think that they're good again. I think that they're getting bailed out by a goalie. Yeah. I don't think that they're good. No, yeah, well, yeah. And Provorov's had two good games, but I mean, I don't know what... Uh, something does look off with Ghost this year. I don't know what it is. I have no answers. Him and Provorov are the two the things thing. I have no idea. What's been they were they were the, the 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 two players for the past two years. I'm like I don't need to worry about these two. Like mm-hmm. Ivan Provorov, Shane Gostisbehere, Sean Couturier, Claude Giroux. I don't have to worry about you guys. You're going to go out there and you're going to do your jobs. And half of them don't show up. Well, this actually, year. Yeah. half of them just don't show up. And apparently, Claude Giroux is still playing center. <laughs> I'm. Well, it's, it's only a couple of games, but I'm a little worried about the toll center might take on Giroux. Can we, yeah. can we not do that anymore, please? Can we go back to what worked last year, please? They just can't right now. It's uh, I yeah. think ultimately when this team is what it's supposed Why to be. Why can't they? What's going to happen? They lose? The, the coach is trying to win, keep his job, too. That's the thing. I can't. I, I can't, wonder if he is. I can't fault Scott know. Gordon for trying to win games because that's what coaches do. If the GM or whoever wants to come down and go, yo, we really need Jack Hughes, so uh, Giroux's knee is hurt, right? <laughs> like uh, that's that's the front office's job, yeah. but I—it's uh, not on coaches and players to do that shit. It's up to the other people. And if we're gonna do this, I can't fault Scott Gordon for being like, "Hey, I want my shot." Uh, this team was terrible, and now we're winning games. I, I, Jack I can't Adams, fault him. baby. I can't fault him. Uh, Vorobiev—he's back. Michael Vorobiev. <laughs> Michael Vorobiev. Mike. No, somebody no. on Chris television. Tarion. Oh yeah, no. Chris Tarian did. Yeah. Okay. Um. He's playing about seven and a half minutes a night these first two games back. He's yet to record a shot on goal. I'm getting a little I'm getting a little tired of Mike because he keeps getting his shot. We keep expecting him to be a thing, right? Everyone wanted him up because they expected him to be a thing because of what he was doing in the AHL. And each time he's been given an opportunity with the team, nothing happens. Yeah, but like it's a fourth liner. Yeah, he's getting I, I seven and a half minutes with fucking uh, Veroni and the other guy. Okay. Raffle. Yeah. We Veroni's a goal scorer, maybe. We don't oh, yeah. speak Sniper. ill of Veroni. <laughs> why is Veroni still on the team? I don't know why because he's no still Because no one's here. taking his job. All right. Plain and simple, no one's taking That's his true. job. I the... think Albay Q-Bell could, but... 
uh, he, he hasn't. Yeah. So is well, he hurt? Yeah, I think died, like right? every yeah. everyone in yeah, Lehigh Valley's Valley is hurt. hurt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Well, I was gonna say if we do the Drew to the Wing thing, Verobiev could be the three C. Yeah. Get ice time. I want him to earn that three C. Like score a goal, man. Do something. Just one. One time. Play on Get a shot. I was gonna say, how about a shot on goal? Give me one of those. Put a shot on that. Get an assist. So there are. I mean, there are the rumors going around that he's just not a hard worker. Yep. And, and that's it's a thing. That, oh, wow. I mean, that's that's what's his what's, name? A young Russian. Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, First never heard that about but a it's Russian not, before. Yeah, I mean, it's not just from the media. <laughs> apparently, it's it's the veterans on the team. But like, I've got a lot of problems with the veterans on the team. So yeah, I mean, yeah, Jake true. Jake Voracek doesn't work hard enough half the time. He does sometimes and looks great, and other times it's yeah, I'm good. We're napping. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, Do a little coast, stick my stick out like yeah. this, see what happens. But, uh, so back I, check. What's that? I, I, <laughs> I just, I want, again, it's one of these guys who I want to be a thing. I just want to feel, no. Oh, I would love for him to be a thing. We don't need to go get some veteran fourth liner because boom, Vorobiev, 4C, pencil it in. Problem solved. We don't need a Yorld. Let's go get Mark Stone. We've got a mic. Yorld, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We don't need Yorld. And (laughs) then the other other news from this week is that Dale Weiss has been assigned to Lehigh Valley. I thought I saw today he was back on the Flyers roster at one point. No. I looked, is that at, their, I looked website? at their website. Well, that, their web, they don't update that website. Oh, okay. Yeah, that website oh, is stupid. They, I don't even think Carter Hart's on there. Like they just, oh, all right. they're I not didn't even scroll that far down. Yeah, yeah they I don't think they bad. realize that the internet's an, <laughs> an important tool. Patrick Sharp. Yeah. <laughs> their social person Brad must be running their website. The Flyers has anybody else noticed their social I know I know Broad Street Hockey has, but the 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 people the person who does the tweets for the Flyers deletes every single one. And then reposts it. And then reposts it like a minute later. Like they're Every well, single everyone. tweet gets deleted. By the way, Flyers, if you're listening, I run the Twitter account for Broad Street Hockey. <laughs> it is flawless. Some jokes usually get the score right. Just <laughs> I would prefer, prefer a job. That's Flyers, okay. stop it. I'm hiring Flyers, him to run SB Nation NHL on Friday. <laughs> um, the uh, Any other youngsters whose efforts you want to point out Either just, positively or negatively. I don't know why Veroni's still on the team. He's not really a youngster, though. He's, he's like he's old, twenty eight. He's an elderly man. Um, he's like the same age as Jake. I <laughs> I can't get over um, how hard Scott Lawton is trying this year. Like he is he is a try hard, mm-hmm. and I'm like I'm here for it. Yeah, cut it out, Rudy. You're making everyone else look. Like <laughs> <Well>, I- <laughs> no, real. I I do appreciate Scott Lawton. Like I say all the time, it might only be ten minutes a night, but Scott Lawton could play for my team any day of the week. Well, I was gonna yeah. say, I think he has an eighteen game goal drought now, and I don't care at all because he brings a lot. To don't the care. Table. He's not yeah. a guy I'm expecting yeah. to score. He's the only one that shows up some nights. Yeah, he's so, fine. You fine? Really, an indictment of everyone else. We're not night. talking about it. We're we're saying good things about Scott right. Lawton. We only have two minutes left, so someone else plug the two twenty two event, and I'll do the other thing. I don't know what you're talking about. The alumni thing. That's, that's Kelly. Snyder, huh? oh, okay. Yes, that's why I said someone. Okay. I don't care who. So we are teaming up with Snyder Youth Hockey Foundation again. Um, this time we are going to be doing a show at the February 22nd alumni game, which is going to be the Flyers alumni versus the Ed Snyder Youth Hockey Foundation alumni. It's going to be played at the 1920s? Yeah. 1920. 1923. Rink at Penn. Um, and we are actually going to be reopening our Patreon for this one event because the proceeds for the downloads of the show are going to be going directly to the Ed Snyder Youth Hockey Foundation. So look for details coming about that in the next few days. We're going to open up the Patreon. There's going to be a couple of tiers. You can decide to contribute and you will get access to this live show that we're doing. Well, it won't be live, but 
it's a podcast. Um, so, it could be live. Yeah, take a look at that. Maybe. It's, you know, it's going to be like five bucks and it's going to be very worthy cause. So t- keep an eye out for that. And this Saturday, February 2nd. Did I say that word right? You did all right. You okay. did. It was close. From 4.30 to... February. Why is an R sign? Listen. Because English sucks. Fucking stupid. All right. Anyway, <laughs> this Saturday, that month, the 2nd, uh, <laughs> from 4.30 to 6 p.m., uh, the Flyers play the Oilers at 1, so basically after that, 4.30 to 6 p.m., Jason Martinez's Stick to Hockey Pod and Wildfire Radio present the Philadelphia Hockey Podcast Roundtable. Bullies Pub at Xfinity. We're all going to be there. It's going to be the, the full, well, not Craig. Well, I'm not Craig. Gonna there, it's yeah. going to be the usual BSH Radio crew and then every other hockey podcast in the city, basically. Except for Excuse Fly Purpley. <laughs> <laughs> the only Flyers <laughs> podcast will not be there. It's all the same family at this point now. <laughs> it's gonna, there's going to be hockey talk, pri- uh, prizes, uh, prizes, prizes. <laughs> <laughs> Prizes, games, giveaways, special guests. It's just, Fun streaming. It's just going to be a real good time over at Bullies at Xfinity after the game, 4.30 to 6.30. Come out and see us live. Sparks are going to fly. Steph might get in a fist fight. It's, it's possible. It's going to be a real good time. I might be sitting at the bar getting tanked watching the game. I just spit laughed all over the microphone. I'm going to glare someone at least one whoever time. Whoever has to use this microphone after me, my bad. <laughs> so come on out and join us for that. It's going to be a good time with our wildfire pals. That's it. I think we're done uh, for Steph, for Kelly. The Flyers are winning. Things are fun. My name is Bill Matz. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah. Who's going to score hockey goals? Our team. No one does more hockey than our boys. The Flyers.